0: But today I want to talk to you about changing the feel of a city. and we're a church planning movement. We, we, we plant churches. We want to plant 10 churches, probably in some towns just like Eunice. We, we think we got a little niche. We like these little towns, these small smaller towns around the, the 6 to 12,000 population. We feel like we, we work well in these towns, so the goal is is to plant 10 campuses. And so every time we plant a campus, just like when we planted here in Eunice, it it was to come in and not be the best church in town. We're not in a competition with the other churches. Come on, somebody. We're we're, we're coming here just to change the feel of the city. Our vision is to reach people who are far from God and then disciple them and build their life. And that's what we're all about. That's it. That's everything in a nutshell. We want to reach the lost and disciple them. Say that's enough. That's more than enough. And so every time we come to a city, we want to change the feel of a city. One of the things I love about being a pastor is when I look at you, I know most of your stories. And when you first came to the church, I remember meeting you or greeting you. And there was something about you that was kind of, I mean, honestly, some of you come in here pretty uh, suspicious. (laughs) Who's this bald-headed dude? Ain't been to no seminary. And what's he think he's doing? I got to keep my eye on him. What these people are all about? Some of you came in real suspicious like. And I'm trying to greet you and you're like, "Morning." I'm just messing. But some of you came in here and, and listen to me. You don't even look the same anymore. You look better. I didn't want you to go the wrong way with that. You're like, oh God, I went to the church and I got ugly. No, I, you didn't do that. You, you came to this church and then you got You got better. You got prettier, you got more handsome. You know what happened is, is, you got life inside of you. That's what really happened. We don't teach makeup classes and hair classes. Hello? We, we teach you how to have a relationship with Jesus, right? Which makes you change on the inside. All of a sudden you become alive on the inside and then that flourishes out into the outside. Right? We don't, you don't come to this church and say, well, you got you to gotta grow your hair long, you can't wear, you can't wear no pants, and, and you got to have a long skirt and, and long sleeve shirts, and, and you can't do this, and you can't... We, we don't do that. Why? Because Jesus never told us to do that. What did he say? Love the people. Introduce them to me. Teach them how to walk with me. I'll take care of the other things. To which I go... Whew, you can, you can have it, Lauren. <coughs> I'm done. I don't have to fix nobody. Come on, somebody. i just tell you, by Jesus, he going to fix you. Because I couldn't fix you anyway. i just get you more jacked up. But that's what happens, and we want to change the feel of this city. And I believe we've already done that. I believe we've done that to some degree. We're starting to change the feel. Of this city, and I'm going to show you in Scripture how God used one man to change the feel of a city. And so today, I want to show you this in chapter, Acts chapter eight, starting in verse four. If you got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter eight. I really, I really want to challenge you to start bringing a paper Bible with you. I think those iPhone Bibles and Samsung Bibles are cool, but I don't know. I'm just an old school guy. I kind of like paper, right? I mean, it's kind of like it's personal. Say, paper's personal. It's just personal. I mean, this is like mine. I got my own sweat on here. I got my, don't borrow my Bible. I got some stuff on my Bible. I'm serious. Some tears are in here. Some sweats in here. Come on, somebody. are like, I ain't shaking your hand after church neither, pastor. You've been touching that old crusty Bible. But Acts chapter eight, watch, watch what happens here. We've been talking about how the church got started, how it began to grow right away. It began to grow Uh, The first service, it went from 120 to 3,120, and it just grew, and then a little while later, it jumped by another 5,000, and and God just did some incredible things, and his church has been growing all in Jerusalem, by the way. That was all happening in Jerusalem, and now all of a sudden, they're coming under some persecution. They're running into trouble. They're getting some resistance from the religious folks. How many of you know there's some religious folks in Eunice? Yeah, there's some religious folks at your job. They speak Christianese, wear crosses around their necks, and at home they turn it into a hoodlum. Religious folks, they look good on the outside, but they're rotten on the inside. That's religious folks. So the religious folks started to give them some problems, and they started to scatter, the Bible says. And by the way, that's how God was spreading the gospel all over the place. So chapter 8 actually takes place right after Stephen was martyred. Stephen died preaching the gospel. In the middle of his sermon preaching the gospel, they're throwing stones at him. And Stephen looks into heaven, sees, the, the, sees an open vision of heaven. He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Which, by the way, Jesus was normally spoken of as sitting by the right hand of the Father. I just want you to know, Jesus will stand up in your situation. Amen? He'll stand up and he'll do something in your situation. So the church begins to scatter. So here we go, verse 4. It says this, but the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Say wherever. Say it with a latitude, wherever. Yeah, this is a week. This is a week. They were scattered and they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, just one example. Remember the church is now anywhere from ten to fifteen thousand people. And Jesus says, uh, or God chose to take Philip and use him as an example and place him in the scriptures. And it says this, for example, Philip went to the city of Samaria. That simply means this, that this was happening all over the place. What you're getting ready to read about Philip was happening all over the place. Don't think this was a one-time event. For example, Philip went to the city of Samaria and told people there about the Messiah, about Jesus, about the Savior Jesus. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager, underline that in your Bible, eager, say eager. What were they eager for? They were eager to hear his message and eager to see the miraculous signs that he did. So Philip goes to Samaria, one of the places Jesus said the gospel would go. And the people were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy, key verse, there was great joy in that city. (coughs) I got a little sinus thing going on this morning, so excuse me. So the key verse is, so there was great joy in that city. Of Samaria. I read that and I went, stop. How do you change the feel of a city? That's where this message came out of. It came out of a quiet time. I've read that a hundred times. Great joy was in the city. Why did God put that scripture in the Bible? Why did He want me to read it? And why is He wanting me to preach it now? Hmm. Great joy in that city. Philip, a follower of Jesus, filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, was under persecution, say he had trouble. And trouble was after him, and he goes into Samaria and he's preaching wherever he's at. And he goes in there with the message of Jesus. He didn't go in there to tell them they were a bunch of cigarette sucking sinners. He didn't go in there to tell them everything they were doing wrong because people aren't eager to hear what they do wrong. (laughs) Come on. Nobody ever comes to me, Pastor, would you just tell me what's wrong in my life? I've never had that counseling session. My wife's never come to me and says, Baby, tell me my failures as a wife. Nobody's eager to hear what they're doing wrong, right? Religious folk will tell you what you're doing wrong. But followers of Jesus will just simply tell you about the saving grace of Jesus. And they'll give you an invitation to come and follow him. That was their message. They weren't going into a city to beat the people down. They went into a city to lift the people up. Because that's what Jesus does. When you met Jesus, he didn't beat you down. He lifted you up. Amen. Jesus never said go to this city and tell them how bad their sin is. He said, go to the city and tell them uh, how great I am. And I'll tell them about their sin. Holla. (laughs) He went to the city with a message of Jesus and they were eager to hear it. Wow. Unfortunately, as a church, as a church that follows Jesus and believes in the things that we believe in, it's difficult sometimes because to reach a city like this because you're breaking through a bunch of religious hurt and pain in this city. There's been a lot of church folks around here done some wacky stuff. I mean, let, let, me, let me just say, they had some jacked up preachers in Eunice. I'm, I'm telling you from, from stories I've heard, some people done some wacky stuff. And I'm going, man, that's an embarrassment to the kingdom. What the heck are you doing? People are church hurting Eunice. So when you come with a message of, hey, let me tell you about Jesus, they kind of go, hold up second. You're going to come in here with a message about Jesus, but I know about you people. You're going to stab me in the back. Oh no, I ain't doing this again. You see it? Philip went to Samaria with just one message. Let me tell you about the Messiah. Let me tell you about the one that I've spent some time with. Let me tell you about the one that'll save your soul. By the way, without him, you're lost. Can I tell you that? That's truth. You're lost without Jesus. He died on a cross to save you, to take away your sin. He loves you. In fact, he died for you. And they were eager to hear his message. I go, wow. Samaria changed. Samaria chain. Samaria at this time was a roughly 900 people uh, on their census. There was about 900 people in Samaria in this day. So one man, Philip, by the way, Eunice is somewhere around 11,000 people. Okay? So Samaria was 900. We said, well, yeah, Pastor, that'd be easier with 900 people. Okay? Well, then go to Mamu and take the city if you all add in a bag of chips. About 900 people. Philip goes into the city, preaches a message. Believes God to do miracles. There was nothing different from Philip than you. There's no difference between Philip and you if you're a follower of Jesus. And you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing different. He had no more, he had no more Holy Spirit than you have. Come on, somebody. He was no more righteous than you are. Right? Right? He walked into a city, preached Jesus, and when they brought people to him that had issues, he would put his hands on them and say, "Lord, I pray you heal. You heal them. Lord, I pray they recover." Or maybe he even spoke directly to them, "Stand up and walk." You know why they could say that? Cuz they saw Jesus say that. They saw Jesus do it. They didn't have they didn't need a lesson in healing 101. They saw Jesus do it, right? Walk up. Hey, your parent, I see you you can't you want to walk. Okay, get up and walk in Jesus' name. And then the rest is not up to you. We stand there and we go, oh God, I hope they get up. If they don't get up, what are people going to say about me? Oh my God, my reputation. I'm going to be flaky. Oh my God, it's not up to you. Say, it's not up to me. My responsibility is to go, stand up and walk. Stand up and walk. Apply my faith into their situation, and then God does the rest, Amen. So the the city of Samaria was eager. We need to pray that Eunice becomes eager to hear the message of Jesus and to see the miracles of Jesus. You want to pray for your city? Pray for that. That they would be eager to hear the message of Jesus and eager. To see the miracles of Jesus. And then be willing to participate with the Holy Spirit in reaching this city. Wow. Samaria changed in that moment. It went from a city evidently without joy to a city with great joy, the Bible says. Well, let's talk about what happened. What did what did Samaria receive that made it change? What was the biggest difference about Samaria? I mean, what changed Samaria? Well, number one, salvation changed Samaria. You know what Eunice needs? You know what Basil needs and Elton needs and Mamu needs and Lotel needs and, and Water needs? Come on, some people in Water still need to be saved. I know there's five of them over there, but one of them. <laughs> You know what these people need? They need to hear the message of Jesus so that they can receive salvation. The first step to change a city is to preach Jesus and invite people to follow Jesus and then they get saved. Say it all starts with salvation. It all starts with salvation. We don't go in with a you need to clean yourself up because Jesus is coming kind of message. We need to you know what Jesus is here. How about you start following him? that kind of message samaria received salvation the second thing samaria received was deliverance or freedom the bible says that evil spirits were cast out in fact they didn't the, the evil spirit didn't like it because it screamed the whole way out <laughs> okay let's time out demons are real just, I'm gonna throw the cat out the bag here this morning. Demons are real. They're real. They need to be cast out. You don't counsel demons, you don't tata demons, you don't try to convert demons. You cast them out. Amen? You deal with demons by casting them out. You don't have to do a hocus pocus. Come on, it's really not as weird as we make it. I mean, like, seriously. When I was first coming into this, I had a, I had a teenage boy. God taught me a lot of lessons through some teenage boys. Boy, and I'm going to tell you, if you got some young sons, get ready. You're going to learn a lot of lessons through some teenage boys. I saw you looking at your husband right there. <laughs> teenage boys are something else. I had this teenage boy living with us one time, and, man, he was just doing some crazy stuff in my house. And I'm like, bro, uh, time I was in the flesh. I was like, bro, uh, 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 we don't do that here. Oh no, cause I'll take your life. I'll send you to be with Jesus. I was in the flesh, okay. He was in. The, he was dealing with his demon. I was in the flesh. I said, no, and I'm giving him the what for, and he and he just starts kind of doing this, and he's on my sofa. I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? He said, I don't know. I just feel like you need to pray for me. And then the Holy Spirit said, Wake up, knucklehead. That's a demon. I said, oh. <laughs> Demon, come out. Satan, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Peace came flooding in the house like I've never seen before in my whole life. And I went, and I stood back and I went, wow. You see, I was raised in a church. They didn't talk about that kind of stuff, right? They didn't want you to know about that kind of stuff. And the whole time you're sitting there fighting things you don't even know that you're fighting that you don't even believe in, Right? It's not weird. It's not spooky. It's real. Amen. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to make you aware that we're in a battle, y'all. It's a spiritual battle, not flesh and blood. I was trying to, I was trying to fix the brother in flesh and blood. It wasn't working. I had to do something in the spirit, right? So Samaria received salvation. Samaria received deliverance and freedom. And I go, wow, man, that's big things right there. Salvation? That's huge. What if Eunice started to receive salvation? What if churches across the city of Eunice every Sunday morning started reporting 20, 30 salvations every Sunday? How would it change the city? What if your boss got saved? (laughs) Y'all must work for good bosses. The third thing they received was healing. And their needs being met. A man who's paralyzed, what's his greatest need besides salvation? To walk. What's the most important thing in his life? To walk. A single mom who's struggling to make ends meet, what is her greatest need? Is it another man? No. It's to be cared for and taken care of and supported, right? That's her need. The church's responsibility is to meet the need that the people have. If someone's sick, what do they need? To recover. What do you give them? Recover in the name of Jesus. Amen? I shared a story about a year or so ago. I was at Walmart and Crowley. And I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the garden center. I thought I was going to, you know, you know, you go to the garden center every night and they thinking you're going to catch you a little shortcut. And sometimes you get caught. Come on, you ever, you ever try to do that? You try to go to the garden center like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to get hit quick and boom. It's like, oh, man. I was in one of those lines. And some poor lady up there with a check, a paper check, like she had to fill it out. She wouldn't let them zip it through the machine. She had to fill it out. And she's, I'm back there. I'm dying. I'm going, oh, God. Lord, please, please pray for me. Please help me, Lord. So the lady who's, ta- who's, who's checking everybody out, and she's, 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 she's talking to some of them as they go through, and she says, yeah, I'm going to, to get some tests run tomorrow to see if my cancer came back. And I went, what's her greatest need? To know that her cancer is still gone, Right? So when I finally, I was like, Lord, I pray she don't die before I get there. I mean, like, finally, I get to her, and I go, and so she does everything. I swipe my card, because, you know, people like me, we got to make sure we're efficient, right? Because so, I couldn't be spiritual until I was efficient. And so I swipe my card, did all my stuff, so nobody behind me was feeling like I was feeling. Pray for me. And so I did all that, and I said, and I walked around there, and I grabbed her hand. And I said, hey, tomorrow's going to be okay. I pray that you get a good report So lift your head up. God loves you. He's going to give you a good report. Some of the tears came down her eyes. And she said, thank you, baby. I needed that. What did she need? She needed encouragement. Right? She needed encouragement. She needed somebody to say, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. That's what Samaria received. They received salvation. They received deliverance or freedom. They, dis- they, they received healing and their needs met. And you know what it did? It changed the feel of a city. Wow. What if, as followers of Jesus, we would start to preach the gospel to bring salvation to Eunice or the city that you live in? What if we would, anytime we come across something demonic, Pray to cast it out. And then what if, as followers of Jesus, when we saw a need, we realized that I'm here to meet this need, and then I meet the need? Might be a good place to live. (laughs) Right? Might be a great place to live. Same thing works with your families. Your extended family. You want to change your. You don't like how many of you? you just kind of quickly. How many of you don't like your extended family? Just you know, just, you have to be blunt. Enough, just, just you know. I got I got some of them folks in my family. I got a few of them loose screws in my family. What if you would bring salvation, deliverance, and needs being met? Could it change your family? You better believe it. Jesus can change anything. Amen? That was pretty weak. Jesus can change anything. Amen? So how'd they do it? Let's go to verse 26 real quick. I'm going to speed up for just a second and get us to the end. How did they do it? It's important to know what they did. They changed the, the feel of a city. So how'd they do that, Pastor? Let's talk about it real quick. Verse 26 to verse 40. I'm going to read this to you real quick because this is still Philip. So Philip did that. He changed the, the field of Samaria. In verse 26, it says this, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and met, and met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candeg, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. So an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go down, go south down this road and watch what's going to happen. Okay, my virgin. Then verse 29, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, say the Holy Spirit said. To Philip, go over and walk along the side or walk along beside the carriage. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit tell you to do something and you just didn't quite understand it? And you were kind of like. What? Like what you said? You want me to do what? Huh? I mean, you ever felt like what? Like like show up there with a twenty dollar bill in your hand and just stand there? What? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's what he did to Philip. He said, he said, go over and walk along beside the carriage. <laughs> I mean, how awkward is that? Like just catch up to this dude's carriage and just walk alongside of it. Can I help you? I don't know yet. (laughs) I may be here to help you. I don't know. (laughs) Watch this. Philip ran over. You see, when you love Jesus and you're following after him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you don't walk where he tells you to go. You run. Come on, somebody. You expect it out of your teenage boys, don't you, and your teenage girls. Hey, go get that trash. What you want them to do? Pop up off the sofa, run to the kitchen, grab the bag, tie it up, and what? Sprint outside, throw it in the garbage can with some attitude, and say, take that. That's what you expect, right? It ain't happening. Right, Ethan? But I almost lost his life the other day with some garbage. (laughs) Right, Ethan? It was his mom, it wasn't me. She's not in here, so I can say that. (laughs) Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? (laughs) The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. Watch this. If you'll just do what Jesus says to do, he'll take care of the invitation to do what you're there to do for, right? Go stand next to that car. Can I help you? Come on, somebody. We want the whole picture before we'll be obedient, right? Right? Well I want to know well okay are they are they going to are they going to invite me in? I mean are they nice people? Are they going to hurt me? Are they going to are they going to take me? You know are they We want the whole thing. The Holy Spirit says just go. And you're going to experience me in the things that you don't understand. That's where faith is grown, right? Faith is is when when the Holy Spirit says go walk on side the carriage. That's faith, right? You ain't crazy. It's faith. Say it's faith. Mm. So he urged Philip to come up in, into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this passage out of Isaiah that was talking about Jesus. Verse 34, it says the eunuch asked Philip, tell me was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, be, so beginning with this scripture in Isaiah, Philip told, the, told him the good news about who? About Jesus. Philip met him where he was. Where was he? In Isaiah. What did did Philip do? He met him in Isaiah, and he brought him into Jesus. All we got to do is meet people where they are. Some of them don't know anything. Some of them know too much. Just meet them where they are, right? And then take them where? Take them to Jesus. Verse 36, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Which makes me go, okay. Evidently, when Philip was taking him from Isaiah to Jesus, the brother got saved in the carriage that the Holy Spirit told him to walk on side of. Holla. He says, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? What did Philip do? He acted on the moment. He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down to the water and Philip baptized him. Wow. If Philip doesn't listen to the Holy Spirit, the eunuch doesn't get saved. Now the Bible doesn't tell us what happened in the rest of the eunuch's life. But I guarantee you, he went back to, his, his, to Ethiopia with the gospel living on the inside of him. And he's now a witness who can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to spread the gospel from Samaria all the way to Ethiopia. It made it to Eunice. <laughs> it made it to Gaidon. <laughs> Lord, help us. Philip baptized him. Then watch this crazy stuff here, verse 39. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Wow, Jeremy, grab that piece of paper and hold it like this. Hold it up high. No, put your hand like that because I don't want to give you a paper cut. I know how big guys are with paper cuts. (laughs) The Holy Spirit came. Philip comes out the water. The Holy Spirit snatched him up. That's snatch. (laughs) One more time. Oh, (laughs) <clears throat> you got me on that one. <laughs> he snatched him away. The Bible says, right? You wasn't taking notes anyway. I'm gonna keep on. No, I'm joking. I'm just picking. <laughs> he snatched him away. The eunuch never saw him again. But watch this. Went on his way. What? Rejoicing. Philip changed Samaria. Philip changed the eunuch who would go to Ethiopia and change Ethiopia. You see how contagious it is. Come on, if, as Christians, if we'll just open our mouth and tell people about Jesus. You don't have to have a doctorate. You just need to be a follower. Right? For five minutes, I was a dead and now I'm alive. and That's all I know. You won't come to church. My marriage was at the breaking point, and now it's not. Won't come church. Let me to tell you who did that. Meanwhile, Philip found himself far north, farther north, at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there, and in every town along the way, until he came to Caesarea. Wow, you think about one man, Philip, look at me, you're one person, just like Philip's one person, look at what he did with the gospel, and now think about what you can do with the gospel, we want to change a city, we want to change a state, eventually change the world and change, and change, change the nation, it's going to start with one person. It's when every one person in this room takes full responsibility and ownership to say, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to tell everybody I come around about Jesus. And if they're sick, I'm going to pray for them. And we'll watch the world change. That's how it happened. They just followed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, go do this. If you don't know what that's like and you don't recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, let me encourage you real quick. Sometimes when I first started l- learning to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit, I did a few things. I missed it. Say, I missed it. I missed it. I mean, you're going to miss it sometimes. Sometimes you're going to stand next to the carriage and you're going to walk with it and it's just going to be weird. And you just missed it. You know what you do? You go home and you pray again. And you say, Lord, all right, I missed it. Can I get a do over? You're going to miss it sometimes. But you know what? You'll never discover it until you miss it a few times. Amen? So step out in faith. It's not your reputation. You're going to heaven one day. Not everybody's going to heaven. All the people are going to talk bad about you. They're not going to heaven unless they get saved. Right? So stop worrying about your reputation. It's going to be sealed up and fixed when you get to heaven. Oh, that guy's flaky. No, he just loves people like Jesus loves people and he's willing to do whatever he thinks Jesus hears him tell him to do. Amen? And if you start to get flaky, get in the life group. We'll tell you how flaky you are. (laughs) I'm just picking. I'm not trying to scare you from life groups. So let me give you the why real quick and we're gonna wrap this up. So why? So if we're gonna change a city, we're going to change the feel of a city, change the feel of your workplace, change the feel of your family. How do we do it? We, we listen to the Holy Spirit and do what he says, right? Come on, shake your head. I'm trying to hurry up. We're, we're going to do what the Holy Spirit says to do. Let me tell you why we need to do that. Because you need to walk out of here with the why. And here's the why. Go with me to Luke chapter 5. Real quick, just a couple couple books over. Luke chapter 5. Starting in verse 27, I'm rejoicing for the day I hear pages turn. Luke chapter 5, verse 27, I'm just picking with you, I'm not trying to beat you down. Verse 27, watch this. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. He saw an IRS agent sitting at the IRS agent C. Jesus walks in and says, Follow me and be my disciple. Listen to the authority in his voice. Listen to the boldness in what he's saying. He walks up to a tax collector, one of the most ruthless, toothless people on the planet in those days, and he says to him, Come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. That's the invitation we give to other people. Come and follow Jesus, come and be his disciple. Not quit your tax collecting job, return all the money you stole, and then maybe Jesus will take you. It's not that. It's an invitation to come and follow. Amen? So watch what he says. He says, follow me and be my disciples, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees, religious people, hello, religious people here, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Religious people look at lost people as scum. You got to be good enough to be in this church. I wonder what God thinks about that. That misrepresentation of his heart. Because watch, here's his heart. Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know, watch this, but those who know, watch this, but those who know, listen to me, the lost world around you already knows that there's something dead inside. You don't have to tell them they already know they're missing something. Amen. All you got to do is walk up with the solution. He says, who know they are sinners and need to repent. Jesus said, I didn't come to take care of you religious people who think you're all that in a bag of chips. I came here for the folks who know they need to repent. The ones you call scum. You see his heart? Jesus loves sinners. Jesus loves sinners. And he's the great physician. You know how I know Jesus loves sinners? Because I was one. I was scum one day. But because of him, I've been adopted into his family, and the scum has been washed off. Amen? He loved me into his family. He invited me into his family. And as followers of Jesus, we're called to invite people into his family. We're called to see them like Jesus sees them. One last verse and then I'm done. This is a verse all of us should know. Matthew 20, verse 28, it says this. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. And watch this. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The king of king and lord of lords who sits on the throne right now came to the planet as common man to give his life as a ransom. To serve, not to be served. He didn't want to be served. He never once sought after people serving him. He came to serve. You know what what that means? That Jesus lowered himself down to to a human level. And he says, you know what? I'm going to meet you right where you are. I'm going to meet you right where you are. I'm not too righteous to come into your filthiness. I'm not too good to come up into your house with all your tax collecting friends. I'm going to come in there and meet you right where you are. And I'm going to give you life. Amen. That's why we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We need to preach the gospel. Cast out demons if they show up. And then pray for the sick and, the, and those that need to be healed. That's why. Why? Because Jesus wants to reach Eunice, Basil, Lotel, Mowater, Mamu and every other place around it that He wants to reach. Amen.